The concept of public relations as in persuading or influencing a larger public is very old, not just centuries, millennia. But the man often credited in the United States as the father of public relations is Edward Bernays. Dr. Sigmund Freud was his uncle and a profound influence. Beginning in 1919 in New York, Bernays began using Uncle Freud's complex ideas about people's subconscious and psychological motivations to apply them to the practice of public persuasion. Among Bernays' most memorable campaigns was to promote female smoking by branding Lucky Strike cigarettes as torches of freedom. He also convinced the public that bacon and eggs was the true all-American breakfast. Bernays took public persuasion to another level, introducing scientific theory. Those theories at the time led to him describing the public as irrational and subject to herd instinct. Years later, one biographer described Bernays as the father of spin. But that perspective might be a bit simplistic when you listen to Bernays years later. Many people believe public relations is press agentry, flackery, publicity. Public relations is not that. It is a two-way street, advising the client on attitudes and actions to win over the public on whom viability of the unit depends, and then educating, informing, and persuading the public to accept these social goods, ideas, concepts, or whatever. What Bernays and others like Basil Clark in the UK did was raise PR from snake oil sales to open a path to a more scientific approach. By the 1940s, PR was being taught in American universities and slowly rose to quasi-professional status. Trade associations began to form with the Public Relations Society of America in 1947 and then the Chartered Institute for Public Relations, or CIPR, in 1948. The International Association of Business Communicators, IEBC, was founded in 1970. And then big PR firms like that founded by Daniel Edelman were created in the 1950s, gradually introducing offices in Europe, Asia, and South America. Trade magazines started shortly afterwards, such as PR Week, PR News, and Reagan's. Public relations has evolved from press agents and publicists to theory and practice to gradually embracing technologies with seemingly endless additional channels. Today on Stories and Strategies, we talk with Ginny Dietrich about the future of corporate communications. Where do we go from here? My name is Doug Downs, music off the top from Merle, Travis, and Tex Williams. Smoke that cigarette. My guest this week is Ginny Dietrich, joining us from Chicago. Hey, Ginny. Smoke that cigarette, huh? Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. My little one would not like that. She's no. very, very Doesn't get a lot of airplay these days. <laughs> popular, popular at the time. Chicago, a quick question for you, because I used to go to Chicago. When I lived uh, just southwest of Toronto, 
in a in London, Ontario. Oh, sure. Chica- Chicago's only seven year, seven hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, Detroit was two, but you kept going to Chicago. Of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> Um, so I know it's a sports city among many other things. So quick question, uh, Bears, Bulls, Cubs, White Sox, Blackhawks, or the MLS team, the fire? Well, it's really hard to be a sports fan in Chicago. I will say that. Um, but the big rivalry is between the Cubs and the White Sox. I live four blocks from Wrigley Field, so we're going with the Cubs. Do you really? Yeah. 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 Oh, near the shrine. Oh, That's, yeah. Uh, What's the name of that pub right across the street that everyone... Cubby Bear? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay, I've been there. Is that what you're you're thinking of, probably? Uh, uh, Well, that was just one of my visits, but I had a pint at the Cubby Bear. (laughs) Ginny, uh, you are the founder of Armit Dietrich, a Chicago-based integrated marketing communications firm. You're the lead blogger at the PR and marketing blog Spin Sucks, (laughs) co-host of several podcasts, including Spin Sucks and Inside PR author of Spin Sucks, the book, and which, by the way, is, is kind of a must-read for PR professionals, oh, and co-author of Marketing in the Round. Great to have you. First time. We should, I wish I'd invited you a long, long time. Yeah, ago. it is the first time. And like I said before we started recording, this has been a great experience. So thank you. Aw, thank you. Uh, Ginny, this Edelman report looking at the future of the comms pro role, where we're going from here. In short, let me see if I've got this right. We need to be able to do more things with fewer resources, be insights and data-driven, harness technological (laughs) changes to provide quantifiable value, step up our focus on the changing workplace and workforce, pay attention to social issues, ramp up communications around the brand, and we are more important than ever to the C-suite. So, Oh, I'm exhausted now. Jeez. I am too. Had to practice that. Are we actually at a point of substantial change? you know, the paradigm shift, or is this just same old, same old that we've been hearing all the time? Because I didn't actually say anything new there. Yes and no. Um, So a couple of things happened. The pandemic, of course, happened. (laughs) (laughs) Then we had social justice. We had an economic crisis. We had, in the States, we had a crazy person in the White House. Like, all of this stuff happened at the same time, right? And because of that business leaders were put into a position to not only have to engage their employees virtually from a a remote perspective, but also how they had to figure out how to, um, you know, start to stand up for values and look for ways to lead with conviction versus dollar. And this has been really, really challenging in the last couple of years for most business leaders because most are you know, baby boomers mm-hmm. or older Gen X. And they've been taught their entire careers that you don't talk about your values. You don't talk about the things that you stand for. You don't do those things because you're going to alienate half of your customer base. Well, now we've shifted to this paradigm where we have to talk about it, that that's what anybody I would say who's younger than 40 expects it today. And certainly a, that's a gross generalization. I think there are people older than 40 who who do as well, but Pretty much everybody younger than 40 does. The only people who can help with that shift are communicators. So it's been this really interesting look. And the conversations and the work that we've been doing in the last couple of years has completely shifted because of that. And I have all these conversations with CEOs that kind of remind me of the early days of social media, which were, okay, this is interesting. And I understand that this is coming, 
but I don't know necessarily know if it's something for my business. And then, you know, fast forward a decade and everybody's using social. So that those are the same kinds of conversations we're having right now is our, you know, this is interesting. I understand that I should be doing this, but I don't really know how. And maybe it's not for our business because we do B2B or we are a government or we're a nonprofit or whatever it happens to be, you know, whatever excuse to, oh my gosh, we actually have to we have to think about this and do it things differently. Yeah, they're focused on trying to fit it into the right now instead of right. uh, that old Gretzky quote about moving to where the puck is going. Right, to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so let's break this down, take it a piece at a time. One insight that we've gathered is we need to be more agile as com pro, comms pros, more multidisciplinary. So obviously that means as teams, yes, but I want to ask you, does that also mean as individuals? For example... I remember the mantra about 20 years ago when I was first getting into PR was it was better to be a generalist than a specialist. And today I'm actually thinking that's changed. I, I kind of think you need to be both. I agree with you. And and the reason being is I would I would I would actually split it into two. So a specialist is very valuable because they can go deep into one one place right so if you're great at paid media you're great at earned media i mean I, really great pr traditional pr media relations people are really hard to find today really hard so if you're really good at that you can pretty much claim anything you want from a pay perspective because they're so hard to find um but also as we look at artificial intelligence and machine learning and that coming into our roles we have to, Chris Penn described it this way a couple of years ago, and it's it has stuck for me, but he, he described it as the role of the communicator is to orchestrate, is to be the conductor of an orchestra. So you have all of these machines that are helping you do your job, but you have to have a general knowledge of what works, what doesn't, what results look like, what the machine should be doing so that you can get the work done. So I would say specialist from the perspective of being able to do go really deep on something, but also having a good understanding of how everything else works so you can conduct the orchestra of the artificial intelligence. And what does that say to the new, the person just getting into public relations, whether it's the, my role was as a journalist, did that for 15 years and crossed over into PR. Some do it that Came way. to the dark side now. The dark side. Um, <laughs> and some just go straight into PR, go to a, a, a university or a technical school and get, get into PR. Does that mean they need to become specialists right away? Or is it fair for them to be generalists for a while, learn as much as they can about the wide breadth that it is? So I would... Um... I would almost recommend that they become specialists first and get really good at one thing and then grow uh, for a couple of reasons. One thing that I, I have found throughout my career and in in coaching and mentoring young professionals is that all of us, no matter how smart we think we are, especially me at that age, um, can really only do one thing really well. And so one of the things that we where we started to have success with young professionals is when we said to them, this is what we want you to study. We want you to study Google ads. We want you to get really good at it. We want you to study landing page optimization and get really good at that. We want you to study media relations and get really good at that. We want you to study search engine optimization from a content perspective. So we gave them one thing and they may do that almost like an apprenticeship for a year and a half or two. And then we start to add on to their roles. So we have found that that's more successful than saying, okay, 
go pitch the media and write some blog posts and do, you know, do some SEO and take these courses. And it's just too much. It's too much. Mm -hmm. Technology. uh, It has obviously (laughs) changed our channels of communication, as well as many of the tools that we use to mine for data points. Um, But the focus in this report is, is on how we can provide more quantifiable ROI, return on investment. Oh, I mean, holy grail (laughs) stuff, right? Yes, my favorite topic. Um, So we do a lot, a lot of work with SaaS organizations and SaaS organizations only care about one thing, recurring revenue. That's all they care about. Software as a service. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Um, That's all they care about is can we bring customers in and do they continue to make money, make us money? so when we look at it, we look at everything from certainly brand a brand awareness perspective, but pretty much every entrepreneur does not care about brand awareness. They think it's nice to have. And if if you're building it and you're building trust and reputation, great. But because you can't directly correlate that to recurring revenue, they don't really care. Right. So we look at the kinds of things that can help us determine how many new leads we're generating. Are they becoming marketing qualified? Are they then going down the funnel to sales qualified and do they convert? And so we look at the kinds of things where we may generate new leads and marketing qualified leads, and then we influence the conversion. So look at you kind of look at it from that perspective. Now, that's not to say that that works for every business. It doesn't work for government. It doesn't work for a nonprofit. But you can, you know, in those kinds of instances, look at what the organization's goals are and how the work that we're doing is affecting that. Usually, I like to say that 70% of it we can measure and 30% is the more brand awareness, trust stuff that we can't measure. So if I'm hearing that right, it's it's a deeper focus on customer path or user experience mm-hmm. and yeah. applying data points to it. Absolutely. Okay. So in the future, the workplace will change, a.k.a. more of us working from home, uh, bosses we've never actually met, (laughs) as well as the workforce will change. Uh, We're going to work more from home. um, And in terms of the workforce changing, uh, not the least of which is more diversity of voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is right. Um, So I've been studying this a lot. I'm also very... um, it makes me nervous because I'm a white girl, right? Um, but I do study it a lot and I listen to different voices. And I certainly have worked really hard in my own business to create diversity. And one of the things that I've discovered is that remote workplaces actually work better for a diverse group of people because you don't have the microtransgressions and you don't have the I mean, just like little things that you don't, I would never even consider about saying to a black woman, your hair is gorgeous and them taking that as a microtransgression, but learning about why that is and why it's not appropriate in the workplace. So I actually love the idea that we're, most of us are remote or have a hybrid because it allows for a much more comfortable environment for everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. The lines between communications and marketing will continue to blur, is one of the uh, the forecasts. Ginny, when I started this podcast, maybe a little before that, I really disliked the term marketing. I felt I was an issues manager or a comms pro. Marketing sounded kind of, hey, salesy, you know, kind of. <laughs> 
I must admit now, uh, it, so the only genre I could put this podcast in that really fit for what, what we're doing is, is marketing. Is uh, marketing. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. so that's the chart that it appears on, on the chartable, on the Apple charts and Spotify charts. Today, I actually kind of love the term. It's same with public relations. I I hated the term at the beginning. Now I'm far more accepting of that. Um, so, so why is that? Part? I'm curious why... Journalist Why stuff. Why you made that? Journalist stuff. Marketers felt like the salesperson coming on the newsroom floor and trying to tell us what story we were going to do. And what about PR people? P public public relations. relations still felt kind of like double-breasted suits. And I'm here to impress <laughs> you. <laughs> Listen to me and you'll like what I'm saying. Yeah, that shows how old the two of us are. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, one of the things that I really personally struggle with is when we're working with clients and they want to loop us into the marketing group and, and report into the chief marketing officer, that really bothers me. I it does. really have a hard time with it. So same thing. Yeah. And it, I think it's, yes, because of the things that you mentioned and because then we sort of get looped into marketing and we don't have the ability to work directly with the CEO on the and 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 really educate them on what it is that we do and why brand awareness and trust and executive thought leadership and reputation and issues management and crisis are important. If we're looped into the marketing group, we have a harder time kind of getting up the ladder from that perspective. So so, so the Edel report is commenting that the line between comms and marketing will continue to blur. Is that we're we're merging then? We're blending? Yeah, I think we are. Um, more and more and more, we're seeing that that comms is reporting into marketing. Where I don't see that happening yet are, is at the big, huge companies. Like we have a pharma company that's glo global and huge, and they have two hundred communicators, and they live on their own team. That that reports the the chief of corporate communications reports directly to. Um, the CEO. So, but that's really, you know, if like I mentioned before, we do mostly B2B SaaS um, work and mo pretty much everybody, actually, I think every, for every client, we report to the CMO. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. And that's, that, that's, that's not the case. That wouldn't have been the case five years ago. Right. Um, career paths. Uh, for those who get into Comms pro, public relations, marketing, whatever we want to call it. Um, in the future, what what will the what will the development of the career look like? And and will mm. it? Um, some careers, like journalism, have started to become these. I'm going to do this for five to ten years and then start another chapter. Uh, is there a chance that the comms pro might start to move that way as well? Maybe you know. <laughs> this is completely anecdotal, and it is just my own research just among friends. But I have found that rather than ev an evolution into a like discipline, like journalism and PR, I would say are pretty comparable. I have found that many of my friends who are leaving the communications field are doing things like yoga and or writing or, you know, things like that, that are, are not the same. Like it's a complete divide from from the industry yeah yeah the yoga thing i wonder if that's a, a lot of comms at some point all of us as comms pros are focused on how people feel yes um, so i wonder if it's just a much stronger you're right yoga and pr 
not apples and oranges. They're 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 different. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that's an extension of the feel. They're, Could they're, be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing I definitely wanted to talk to you about in this episode is the PESO model. Mm-hmm. P-E-S-O, uh, paid media, earned media, shared media, owned media. Ginny, true confession, I, I actually, that's, I didn't realize, A, it had only been around since 2014 when you when you were the first one to put it in your book, Spin Sucks. You coined the term and I didn't realize that either. It's just a term I've been using I thought I'd been using it for the last 15, 20 years. I haven't. I haven't. So uh, tell me about the brainstorm to come up with that model and then expand on that because it's it's not just, a, oh, that that's cute. It's an acronym. That develops a whole pathway of thinking for comms pros. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Um, I love to tell this story because, you know, it's sort of the, it, it takes 10 years to have any success it's sort of that idea like it it was not it was not some big strategic moment that we had that we were like okay we're gonna do this and we're gonna jenny's gonna write a book and she's gonna publish it and then she's gonna speak and we're gonna and there was this path for online courses and sort of like none of that existed literally none of it i was writing the book and In the book, I wanted to talk about the process that we used internally at my agency to help clients understand that it was more than just media relations. It was content, it was social, it was like all of these other pieces, right? And so I was was writing about it in the book and (laughs) the first round of edits came back, which by the way, is one of the most painful experiences of one's life. Um, Pretty much the feedback was, this is really interesting, can you go deeper here? But we hadn't named the process internally. Um, and we, we, we didn't use the entire process as an integrated model for all of our clients. So we would use pieces of it depending on what the client's goals were, but we didn't do it as a fully integrated model. So I continued to write the book, did a second round of edits, which also was painful. Um, and then the third round, as we were finalizing it, my publisher said to me, do you have a name for this? And I was like, I literally just edited this book three times. No, leave me alone. I want to like put it to bed, you know? And she's like, no, no, we have to name it. So we went back and forth. You know, we went O-E-S-P, O-S-E-P. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, we have four letters here that will actually. So people will say to me, well, why would you start with paid? Honestly and truly, it's because peso is easier to remember and say than OSP or OSIP. <laughs> so I think that's really why. Yeah. It's not because I I advocate that paid media should come first. No. So then that happened. And then she came back and she said, do you have a, an image for this? And honestly, we I was really at the point where I was just like, I need this to be done. So I went to the designer and I was like, we need to do this. And so he crafted it. And then we just added tactics in underneath just to explain like what would fit under each model and where they might overlap. I sent it off and published it. And that was that, right? Well, then it just... Everybody was like, this is amazing. How do we use this? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so it just evolved from there. And, you know, I mean, hindsight is, of course, 2020. Um, but had I known, I would have registered it and trademarked it and done all of that back then. And I've just, we just now did that in 2020 and gone, have gone through that process. But it has been a very, it's been a very interesting years long 
process to help the industry with this. But I will say that when you put, and we redid the image so it's less tactical and more strategic last year, but when you put that up on a screen, an executive gets it. They're like, oh, I get it. Um, and it's a lot easier to explain, you know, how the work that we do affects the organization and its goals. So then on this topic of the future of, of uh, the communications uh, pro role, um, how will the focus using PESO, will, will we implement more owned media? Uh, will earned media, I guess the simple conclusion is it will diminish, although maybe it'll just change. Um, right now you're doing earned media. I'm doing owned sure. media, right? So sure. uh, right. what is, what, without giving up the farm here, um, what, what is the future uh, for the PESO model? Yeah, um, so I would say that in the, the, I have this argument with people a lot, but um, I, I believe that you have to start with owned because without owned, you don't have anything to share and you don't have anything that earn, that a journalist or a blogger or a podcaster has to, to understand how you think or, you know, understand your, your process or anything like that. And without owned, you don't have anything to amplify through paid media. So I believe that that's where we start. And then we start to build in other things. We might do some influencer relations. We might do some uh, community service. We might do CSR. We might do crisis. You know, all of that comes in. But I believe that owned is our foundation. It's been great to have you on the podcast at last. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. This has been great for me, too. That's been fun. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Ginny Dietrich, you can send her a note through her Spin Sucks newsletter. Look for the link in the show notes. Also, definitely follow Ginny on Twitter. It's at Ginny Dietrich. And of course, that's in the show notes. Stories and Strategies is a co-production of JGR Communications and Podcasts That Pop. We're hoping you might leave a rating for this podcast on either Apple or Spotify. Reviews are also very welcome. You can connect with us on Twitter at comms underscore podcast. We're also on Instagram. And more than anything else, if you like this episode, would you do us a favor? Share it with just one friend. Thanks for listening. <laughs>